This is Tim Doyle, lead pastor of Restoration Church. Welcome to our weekly podcast featuring content from our worship celebrations at Second and Francis in beautiful, historic downtown St. Joseph, Missouri. We exist to love, lead, and launch people in their destiny in God. For notes about today's message or for more information online about Restoration Church, visit restorationstj.com. Here's today's message. We love what Jesus is doing at Second and Francis. Everybody was asking me this week, are you underwater? It's like, no, not yet, right? The river has a little ways to go. But we're so grateful for what God is doing here. We call it the miracle at Second and Francis, and we're really glad to have you a part of it. If we've not met yet, I'd love to do so right after service. I'll be back that way on your way out the door. Just stop in, shake a hand. We have a gift for you. I'd love to get to know you just a little better that way. Why don't you this morning on your smartphone or your your old-fashioned paper version Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Eventually we'll get there, okay? I got a few things I want to I want to process first. I'm so excited, guys. Listen, we've known five years ago, Easter Sunday is when we first met in this building. Okay? Five years ago, this Easter. And we have known from the beginning that God was creating a house in St. Joseph that would welcome all nations, which seems a little unusual here in the middle of the Midwest, but what's been so fun is to watch how God is doing that. He's, he's making this a melting pot, <laughs> a collection of people from all nations, tribes, and tongues, and I'm so pleased today to finally get to welcome in the house a man who's been watching online for a while and has been earnestly desiring to get in the house because he's got a fiance here, and he comes all the way from Ethiopia this morning. Would you welcome our brother Nadi to the house at Restoration? Up, up, up. Yeah. Excellent. Glad to have you here, my brother. So glad that you're here. You're going to get to know Nadi uh, in the days ahead. I'm excited. Nadi's a professional translator. I'm thinking we're going to probably have some Amharic speakers coming to Restoration before too long, and Nadi's going to be able to be my voice. Plus, he's so much better looking than me, he'll represent me quite well. So, love having Nadi here in the house today. Listen, tonight at 6.30, we're back here again. We're in this awakening season, and during this time, we've taken our Sunday night prayer and worship feature that we do a couple times a month. We're doing it every Sunday, and we're branding it as The Furnace because we really want to draw closer during this awakening season and have that fire that you felt this morning in worship just not be a one-time experience, but a continual burning on the altar of our heart. So tonight, 6.30, I invite you to come back and experience that with us. I've got something special planned you're not going to want to miss. Speaking of Easter, it's going to be here before you know it. Easter this year is late in the month of April, the 21st to be precise. So be thinking now who you'll be inviting. Um, excited to see as we turn a corner from the awakening to a different season for us as a church. You're going to, I think, really appreciate what Jesus is taking us into next. So just be thinking now about who you'll invite. And right there, bookending with Easter, is another celebration that we've never observed before as restoration. I have, Krista has, uh, as a part of our connection to our Jewish roots of our Christian faith. How many of you know that we serve a Jewish Messiah, right? Jesus 
is the Jewish Messiah that we get to enjoy and participate as God's people, as the church. But Passover is also another significant celebration that really brings meaning and depth to why Easter is a big deal for us. Do you know Jesus has been talked about all the way from the beginning of time? It wasn't just a new invention in the New Testament, right? There are pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament. One of those is Passover. And Rabbi Kurt Landry is going to lead us through a Passover Seder on April 26th, okay? So that's a week from Good Friday. So it's the Friday following Good Friday, right here in this room. Now, this will be a different setup. We'll be at table. It'll be almost like a dinner setting. We're not serving dinner this year, but we are serving Passover Seder celebration. So you must, must, must have tickets because we'll be limited on our capacity. So if you want to come to that, and I hope that you do, you'll follow the links that have been sent out multiple times and we'll continue to harass you because you must have a ticket. Turn to your neighbor and say, you must have a ticket. Don't be mad at me if you come and there's no room in the inn, okay, all right? We'll send you to the sheep shed out back, but there's a limited number. This is our first time to try this. I really feel like it's going to be an outreach to our community. I've never been to a Seder celebration in St. Joseph. I know there's been some, but none like this one because we have the rabbi and we'll be simulcasting live from House of David in Fairland. So make sure that you get on board with that, get your ticket, and we need some people who will help us serve that night. On a Friday night, we're gonna draw a different crowd than we normally do because we don't typically have a Friday night experience. So what a great opportunity to reach some folks that might be curious to see what this is all about. So that's what's coming up. I want to make you aware of that. Also want to say, Jada, are you here? Raise your hand if you're in the house. Okay. She's going to be stopping by in a bit. We are privileged to have the uh, city emergency management director here in this congregation. And she is running around today taking care of some of the things that are happening related to the flood. And I've asked her to join me today to explain more of that to you, but she said she might be just a little late, which you understand. They've been working 24-7, locked away in a firehouse, managing all the stuff going on. How many of you know that, that the flooding that's going on at the river behind us affects a lot of people in, in really devastating ways, not just here in our city, but also up the river in Iowa and Nebraska. So I just want to stop right now. Those of you maybe watching online this morning, affected by that, let's pray and ask for God's mercy to just cover this situation. Father, I thank you so much that you are the God, Lord. You're the Lord of the flood. And God, we just speak to those waters and say, recede now in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you that you will protect Father, lives, that you'll protect property. Already people have been displaced. Already there's been so much. And Father, we just say have mercy. God, and in the midst of the flood, would you show yourself strong? And we pray, Lord, for the emergency management personnel who are managing this whole situation. God, I pray for strength. I pray for wisdom. I pray, God, for resources for those who are trying to make ends meet. Thank you, Lord, that you are in control, and we trust you in that, in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. We want to be just so keenly aware, even if it doesn't affect us personally, that these are our friends and neighbors. In fact, this afternoon, after service, if you've got nothing this afternoon going on, beautiful day, they're filling sandbags just down the street to help prepare for, because the river hasn't crested yet. It kind of crested, went down, but it's supposed to go back up again. So ways that we can up in a practical way as well as praying, and we'll pray about that tonight for sure. Last weekend in our Awakening series, we talked about being awakened to war, awakened to war. And war is not necessarily something that we, I mean, you can look at it a number of different ways. 
sometimes it can be seen as a negative thing or a really super aggressive, you know, kind of a fighting stance, and that's one aspect. But there were things that I want to revisit just real quickly for those of you who weren't here, just so you can see how, it's funny how when the Lord speaks, you know, how many of you know when he speaks, it's not a one-time occurrence? It's like if he reveals something to you, it's for the purpose of life change. So it's wisdom to kind of stay in that thing for a while, you know? If you're a farmer, you know what cows do, right? They chew the cud. It's kind of what it means to meditate, you, just, you kind of linger there a bit. I want to just real quickly visit some of the principles that we learned last week in this series and then to show you how the Lord has been moving. There are three ways I talked about that we wore. Who remembers the first one? Starts with a G. Very good. I thought you were going to say, like, you know, the, the new G singers or something. It's like, no, it's not quite that... that that style, but it's close. Generosity. And I want to tell you something. You know, last week um, we received a special gift for our youth to be able to, this week on spring break, attend a fantastic junior high youth event in Kansas City. And our team hoped to raise about $500 to pour into the students and to be able to uh, send them to, to this experience. And do you have a slide showing how much actually came in? Is that no? Okay, so I'll just tell you, $1,500 came in last week. So, way to go. So, we're going to pray about that tonight, too, as we launch these sons and daughters into that experience. Another thing, you know, one thing that Chris and I have learned in church planting um, is that unless you have someone to own a particular ministry, it's just not going to go very far. I can cast a vision, but it's got to have people own it, get around it, you know? Um, I mean, honestly, that's why we have such a great worship team, because this team owns that. I don't have to do anything, you know? I just get to enjoy it. Um, and that's the way ministry is supposed to be. It's not supposed to all flow just from one person or from an elite group. It flows from y'all, because you are the body of Christ. And as you are fit together in doing what you're called to do, we all benefit. And one of those ministries that's really on my heart, and I believe there's a uniqueness to where Jesus has placed us in this location, we're in an urban setting with the name Restoration slapped on our building, right? Guess what we're going to get to do? Restore some people. And one of the populations that we serve here downtown that, that have always been on my heart, especially since coming here, is the homeless. And there are some really fantastic ministries that are doing a good job. One of those is Danny Gatch and The Crossing. I just want to show you a few pictures of what Danny and Twyla and their team are doing. The Crossing's been around for a while, but just last fall they opened up a shelter. When the Salvation Army closed the overnight shelter, then it left a vacuum for an overnight place for people to stay. And that's where they can stay now is at the crossing. But God bless Danny and Twyla. They're doing it pretty much on their own with a team of volunteers, but they are really desperate for some helpers. And it's always been a burden of mine to say, we should not start another homeless shelter. We should support the one that already exists. So what I'm going to do today is just invite you. Again, I can't lead every ministry of this house, but it's, I feel like there's a kind of a pressure on me to say, church, we've got to give attention to this. And could one night a month, we just serve meals to these precious people? John has firsthand experience in knowing how necessary that is. We have men and women on the streets who come to church here. I mean, we can, we can minister to them in that way, but this is a very practical way that we can do so. So Zach is going to be sending you a link. Zach, is that happening now? You'll be getting a, a link on your phone 
any moment. And when that link comes through, it is a way for you to tell us, I would be interested. We're only talking about three or four volunteers one night a month. So it's not a huge team. But if you want to be a part of that, then that's one way you can serve. Okay, so follow that link. Jada, come on up. Gee, welcome Jada McClintock here this morning with us. And is there a mic down there somewhere? Right there. Jada said, you're going to have to forgive my appearance because I have a ball cap. I have dirty sneakers. I haven't washed my hair for two weeks. And <laughs> been living in a fire. I said, well, a bunch of stinky men. I understand that. So tell me this. First yes. of all, your official title. Emergency Management Director for the city. Very good. Yes. I know you guys are crazy, and I know you got to get out of here, but oh, real you're quickly. You're not crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, we're thankful for you, though, yes. for what you're doing. You and your team are doing a fabulous job. So we just want to give a shout out to our workers, to the city, who's doing a great job in yes. managing this crisis. The governor was here. Governor was here. This yes. week. Tell us kind of what's the current status. Well, <laughs> we're just kind of watching things. Um, a lot of people are breathing a little easier, like, oh, the river dropped, but there's still so much more to it. I'm not ready to exhale that breath that I've been holding just yet. Um, I can tell you there's the city staff is amazing. Our public works and street crew, I cannot say enough about, about those folks. These are people working around the clock. They're not getting much sleep. They're working extremely hard. Our volunteers are kicking it, too, out there. It's just it's amazing the support that we've received. Um, my job is basically being in the emergency operations center. So I've been coordinating with the state, getting us sandbagging machines and people and sandbags. And we did put out a public call for volunteers to sandbag, and we're doing that today. Yeah. Uh, at 6 and Atchison until 7 tonight, and we're going to do it again tomorrow. Um, just to put it in perspective, we, we did a lot yesterday in sandbagging. We had a big crew come out, and we got ballpark of 20,000 bags filled, which sounds like a lot, mm. but we ordered 365,000 Yeah, because we know how many it takes from previous flood situations mm -hmm. to fill those levee gaps and protect people's homes and, and property yep. and lives. So that's, that's a real practical right way that we can help. Anything yes. else you want us to be aware of how we can be praying or practically support y'all? Yes. Um, if sandbagging is not your thing, I get it. It would be hard for me too. If you want to check out United Way, um, they are they are organizing all of our volunteers for us just to free up city staff so we don't have to do that. And you can go to United Way and register, and there are so many ways you can help, awesome. and they will fit you exactly to what, what suits you. And, of course, be praying for city staff and all those people. Yep. We had volunteers that drove over four hours to come help us. And so these good. are kids that are like 20 years old. Sweet. 15 of them who said, we'll stay as long as you need us. Just give us a place to, we brought our own cots, give us a place inside to sleep and, and we'll take care of it for you. So lots of groups like that driving Excellent. far. Excellent. Yeah, really good. So probably a way that we can support even the ones that are doing sandbagging. I mean, practically water, serving food, and those kinds of things are things that we could do. We well, can coordinate that through United Way. Perfect. If yep. the church can reach out to United Excellent. Way, we can, we can work on that. There are some other groups doing that, too, so I don't want to overwhelm one nope, day, nope, not nope. another. There's a whole lot of logistics Understood. that go into it that those, those folks take care of for me so I can so be doing good. other things. So. But we'll let you out of here, but I'm going to pray right. for you first before yes. you go, okay? Church, would you extend your hand to Jada? She represents a fantastic team doing a work on our behalf. So, Lord, I lift up Jada, and I pray that you would give her physical strength, bless her family while she's away from them to help take care of the rest of us. We pray for safety for the entire crew. I pray, God, that there would be a spirit of community that would rise up, Lord, uh, in the midst of this crisis that shows us, Lord, the true heart of Jesus for people that we've never even met before, but that we truly are for one another. Thank you for your mercy. 
Lord, that can go way beyond what we can do in the, in the natural, in our own strength. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give Jade a high five on the way out. She's going to work, all right? Thanks for stopping by. <laughs> so good. I feel blessed that we have someone like that representing us on the front line. So between working with the homeless at the crossing, working in practical ways like that with Jada, those are ways that we can be generous uh, with our time. It's not just, you know, here in this house. It is in the community. And that's the, that's the vision that the Lord gave us. You know, we love this house being strong. I mean, those of you that serve on a Sunday morning, it, you want to be able to serve our guests well. But it's more than what happens here in this place. Garrett hooked me up with a guy. Had a great chat with Pete this week, Garrett. A uh, guy who's coordinating with microchurch teams around the globe, doing amazing things in communities. And it can happen in St. Joseph as well. I believe that. And church, we can lead the charge. Amen? We can lead the charge. I believe it. Let's talk about the second. First was generosity. What was the second way we battle? Praise. Interesting. And that's one that, again, we wouldn't necessarily connect with war. But yet we saw where God used praise as a very effective weapon to lead the battle and what that resulted in. I just want to say that last Sunday night at the furnace, I mean, we always have a great worship team, but there was something special about last Sunday night. It was so powerful. And uh, we had a friend from Kansas City who is a sound engineer with the International House of Prayer who came up and working together with Shane and our tech team, we're continuing to try to improve what we do here in this house. I heard it this morning. It was like, wow. And we just continue to get better and better. I want to brag on your finance team for a moment because Big Bertha bit the dust. Just want to tell you that. Big Bertha is the keyboard we've been hauling around for over 10 years. And uh, she's taken some hits. When we were going in and out of the Holiday Inn, when we were mobile church, just not, not good on a piece of gear. So anything that's that old is going to have some technical issues. She finally gave up the ghost. And our finance team invested in this team. And today we debuted Big Bertha 2.0 on the, on the platform today. <laughs> Big Bertha comes with a price tag, but I'm so grateful that you have a, a leadership team that recognizes the value of what Jesus is doing. Isn't, isn't that worship worth it? It is just so, so worth it. And I appreciate, you know, people like Will and Caleb and Matt, those of you, Praise, Michelle, you keyboard players, my gosh. You know, this is just, I just love what Jesus is doing. So I want to give you that update. The third area that we talked about started with the letter E. What was that? Excellence. And that connected to creativity. Talked about excellence in artistry, you know, in, in poetry, in visual art. But it isn't just limited to that. It's wherever you're at, you can demonstrate excellence in your workplace. You can show the excellence of the kingdom inside of you in everything that you do. It shows up in Sherry's classroom, right? It's like what she does. It speaks of the kingdom, the excellence that she brings. And I'm excited about the creative expression of this house. So good that every time someone comes in here who has no clue what we're doing, they're just like, wow, this place is so creative, so fun. Just look around. I mean, we take it for granted, but to someone new, They've never seen anything quite like this. I'm sure, Naughty, it was quite a cultural experience to walk in church 
here is not really anything like church in the U.S. anyway, uh, but we love the uniqueness of it. And I love to be able to partner with other ministries, other people that are doing creative things to extend the kingdom in areas that normally you don't see the church have impact. One of those is in the music industry. And we happen to have with us this morning one of my favorite people. He and his bride are from this area, and they have moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and God has opened doors for them worldwide through the vehicle of country music to express the kingdom in a unique way. Would you join me in welcoming Jeremy Neely to the house this morning? I can see you. Come on, Jeremy. I can see your beautiful face. And I long to Oh, man, this is my cooler younger brother. Look at him. He's buff. He's tatted. He's got a stocking cap on. You know he's there. He's truly Nashvilleized. Now, where's your better half? Is what I want to know. She is in Nashville, right? Is she now. okay? Yeah. yeah. Now, you guys have had quite an experience since we last had you here. You're touring. You're going around the world, especially in the UK. You've had some great open doors festivals and things, but mm-hmm. you had an ex- interesting experience uh, that wasn't so exciting in the UK. I want yeah. you to share that real quick. Well, I, I tried. I tried my best about, uh, it'd be two years this coming August, um, I tried my best to die in England. Um, I, was in a, I was in a roundabout um, driving on the, the A39 down in Cornwall, and, um, and of course I was, I'm driving on the opposite side, I'm shifting with my left hand, and I've got a cool, cool for a redneck, um, rental car and I, I've just got this James Bond kind of, ex- of vibe going on and so I'm going probably going a little too fast in the roundabout really and uh, all of a sudden just like lightning one of the most intense pains that I ever felt hit me and uh, basically my intestine ruptured right mm. at that moment and uh, and I went septic and uh, and so it was uh, it was quite a haul um, yeah. God decided that he wasn't done with me here on this planet yet, and, uh, uh-huh. and much to the medical staff's surprise, That's awesome. I, I walked out of that place. That's so good. Yeah. Well, I just wanted you to share that up top because these guys have been through the battle, through the ringer, and they're in, a, in an arena that very few dare to tread anyway. You've even taken some, some heat from the church Oh yeah. because of the places that you go and the things that you do and yet through opportunities like this to touch an audience that we may never get a chance to speak to right right i mean the the song that we sang there at the last create a new wine yeah in me has been my heart's cry so good for so so long and so for us we we switch it just a little bit and hear my heart in this i i'm not in the christian music industry and if you post anything about me, you're doing a disservice to my ministry by saying, here is a Christian artist. And the reason for that is, is because the moment you do that, your unsaved friends will never listen to my music, mm. and it never allows the Holy Spirit to flow through that. That's good. I am a musician that is a Christian. And that's why I sing songs like Kiss My Grits. <laughs> it's uh, because, because my heart in this is, and, and this is God revealing. I'm not smart enough to figure this out on my own. Um, we're called to be fishers of men, right? That's right. And, uh, and y'all know here in, in Missouri, if you ain't got bait, you ain't fishing. There you go. That's right. 
And so we, we use our music as bait, fish bait. So good. Yeah. Well, we've had Jeremy and Casey with us here. They've ministered to us, and you know we're friends. We consider them family. When they're in the house, we love to see them. They, they'll show up just, I don't even know when they're here sometimes. I'm like, ah, Jeremy's here. So they don't come in all parading, wanting a platform. They just come in as family. And Jeremy approached me here a while back and said, we've got this new song coming out, and we could really use a place to shoot our next music video and we love your house. Could we shoot it here? And I said, I'm thinking well, that could probably happen. Don't you agree? Amen. I mean, honestly, when I saw this place, I said, there could be concerts and music videos. And we've already had several groups do that, shoot stuff here. But this is the first time somebody that we're really, is family, coming in. So we're here to make a pitch. Yes. For March the 29th. 9th. Friday. Yeah. Tell us what's going on. Okay, so um, the Lord has blessed me with a new country song called Here With Me. Um, the inspiration behind this, you'll never hear it in the song unless the Spirit's revealing it to you, which has happened, but that's another story for another time. Um, Revelation 2, Jesus said, this I have against you, you've forgotten your, your first love. Mm -hmm. Now, contextually, this is not what he's saying in the Word. But preceptually, what the Spirit flowed through me at that time, if any of you know my story and know me and Casey's story, mm -hmm. you know that there's a lot of baggage that came into our relationship because of sin outside of marriage. And, um, and that started to blind us little by little. And for some of you that may not even had that kind of sin or, or had forgiveness and release from those kind of things earlier, maybe it's like, Oh, he leaves the socks on the floor or, you know, or she doesn't wash out the toothpaste in the sink or these little things. And, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line, all of a sudden there's a gap between yeah. you and you're looking at That's this right. person and you're like, why am I here anymore? You forgot your first love. And so through all of this junk that I've been through, the Lord is speaking to my heart. You forgot your first love. That's good. That beautiful, beautiful princess that you fell head over heels in love with, she's still there. Mm -hmm. She's behind all that junk that you've built up in your mind and the walls that you've built. Return to your first love. So good. And so that's the precept behind this song. And so I couldn't think of a better place to do mm. it than it's restoration. Excellent. Isn't that exciting? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So March 29th, We'll be staging a full-blown music video shoot here in this place. And one of the reasons we're telling you this is so that you'll pray, but also, we'd kind of like to have you all in it. Yeah. Love to have you all in it. So what would that look like? What do I have to do? So what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to clear the chairs out, and we're wanting to turn this kind of into a dance hall. Come on. Now, if any of you all have ever heard my story, you know that I'm a former addict. So we're not going to have any like unlabeled bottles. We're not even going to have red solo cups or any depiction like that. This is just going to be a dance hall. And it's going to be family. It's people dancing around the middle. We'll have some wallflowers over here for us guys with two left feet. You know, maybe even some folks milling upstairs and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And that's going to be the performance side mm -hmm. of the video where we'll uh, yeah. intersperse that in between the storyline but uh, so good so basically anything you'd like to do even if it comes down to just helping serve the crew you know with food yeah. taking care of people or video 
if yeah, somebody exactly. like if somebody is good with video, our videographer could use a couple grips and um, and other people to mm -hmm. assistance to help Very cool. corral everybody. Church, is this not the most amazing opportunity to be creative <laughs> with this box that God's given us? So I'm super excited. Um, Jeremy's created a Facebook event that will follow the details of exactly what's going on, how to prepare, what's going on that way. So stay connected. We're just we're wanting like you said. 50 to 100 people? Yeah, I mean, if we could have this many people, maybe even a little bit more. I mean, if you think about it, cleared out, having some people two-stepping around mm -hmm. the middle, having some onlookers just enjoying the music, milling around, talking, some kids scattering across, yep. running. Um, you know, just a family, a fun family event. So I mean, we're from Missouri. We're rednecks, right? We know, <laughs> we know how to get down. <laughs> Excellent. Jeremy, appreciate you, brother. Love you. And likewise. Thanks Love for you coming too, by. And we'll yeah. see you on the 29th, all yes. right? Excellent. All right. Give Jeremy Neely a high five as he goes by. Come on. How cool is it we get to partner with people like this and Jada and Danny Gatch? I mean, think about this. How is Jesus expanding us and broadening us? I love it. I mean, Jeremy mentioned Revelation 2. Randy sent me a verse from Revelation 2 this morning. I just want to read this to you. I love this. Revelation 2, 7 from the message. <laughs> this is so good, you guys. Do you know how good Jesus is? Jesus is so good. Come on, 30-second praise break right now. Jesus is so good. We aren't this good. We could never put this together. Revelation 2, 7 from the Passion Translation. Are your ears awake Listen, listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. I'm about to call each conqueror to dinner. I'm spreading a banquet of tree of life fruit, a supper plucked from God's orchard. Are you ready to feast? That's the question. Are you ready to dive into this thing Jesus is doing? Man, I'm so excited, guys. I mean, I'm just grateful that after 10 years of pastoring, five years of church planning, I'm still as passionate as ever. And I'm even more excited about the wide open opportunity. I was praying for Nadia yesterday and, and just had this picture of like a treasure map. You know, like you can imagine as each layer is unfolded, you just see a new border, a new boundary. It stretches out. It never ends. It's awesome. And it's so cool that we get to be on that journey together, isn't it? So good, so good. A journey of discovery. So those were the three things from last week. Now, let's turn a corner and talk about this week's awakening word. Today's word is firebrand. Say firebrand. Not a word that we use a lot, at least I don't anyway. So I had to look it up. Firebrand is a person who is passionate, a person who is passionate about a particular cause typically inciting change and taking radical action. Oh, yeah, that's us. That's redneck, right? That's exactly what Jeremy's talking about. So I'm going to start here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, again from the Passion Translation. As a result of our ministry, you are living letters written by Christ, not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not carved onto stone tablets, but on the tablets of tender hearts, we carry this confidence in our hearts because of our union with Christ before God. 
Yet we don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength, for our true competence flows from God's empowering presence. Do you remember last week we talked about how principles without presence is like a kingdom without a king? Principles are good, but the presence is what makes the difference. Okay, verse 6. He alone makes us adequate ministers who are focused on an entirely new covenant. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law through the power, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. The letter of the law kills. This is where I want to get to. The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit pours out life. How many of you know that Jesus' purpose was to bring life? He said, I came that you would have life and have it to the full or more abundantly, another translation says. That's the point. What I hear today, whether it's Jada managing the flood relief, whether it's Danny ministering to the homeless, whether it's, whether it's you know, Jeremy and Casey doing country western music on a stage in, in the UK, they're bringing life to the culture. And that's our assignment. And I want to be one of those living letters that Paul's talking about here. I'm going to focus on two Old Testament scenes today. And we're not going to go deep in either one of them because they're long stories. We don't have time. Just so happens that this week on the Jewish calendar is the, the feast or the festival of Purim, which is one of the, I think it's maybe the only festival that's not prescribed in the law, in the Old Testament. But it came about because of a story that you could read about in the book of Esther. So your homework this week is Esther chapters 3 through 7. We don't have time to read five chapters of scripture today, but you should do that because it's a cool story. But most of you know, if you've been around the church at all, you've heard the story of Esther and Mordecai and Haman. You know that this is during a time of exile. The Jewish people were captive in a foreign land and Esther is a beautiful girl and she's actually chosen to be a part of the king's court but she hid her Jewish heritage and became aware of a plan that would annihilate God's people. In other words, to bring death. We just talked about what brings death, right? And what brings life. So here's Esther, this firebrand in her generation. She's a young girl, um, but she's in the right place at the right time to be used by God. This evil man, Haman, who was also in the king's court, had this plot to destroy God's people. And if you read the story, you'll learn that he tries to do that through the means of establishing a law that would literally on one day wipe out the entire population of God's people. Interesting to me the connection there between Haman's plan and the use of the law. I see that a lot today in culture, how it's become this big thing to use the courts, right? to enact destruction. And I wrote this in my notes for you. I, I said, Christianity is not about finding more effective ways to use the law to kill what God delights in. What does God delight in? Yes, he does. So we can't become experts in the law for the purpose of killing people. Are you hearing me? Sometimes that's what happens with our religion. We get so good at it, we get so well-versed in it, we actually, instead of bringing life, we bring death. Some of these microchurches that Pete and I were talking about, they're going into some rough, and they're going into strip joints, and they're going to prostitution neighborhoods, and it's like they're bringing life. They're not bringing law. Yeah, they recognize the fact 
that there's destructive behavior, but the answer is a transformed heart. Life, that living letter written on those tender hearts, not hearts of stone, not tablets made of, of hard rock, but these soft, tender hearts of flesh. And I think it's so interesting. Again, you've got to read this story. I wish we had time today to unpack it. We just don't. It's pretty cool. Haman, Haman had a gallows erected to kill Mordecai because he was jealous of Mordecai's favor with the king. And Haman ended up being hung on the very same gallows that he set up for Mordecai. In other words, that law, that spirit of death in the law, it ended up in the end turned around and bit him in the rear end, right? Took him out. Can I just say this? Anybody who attempts to use the law to kill people, it's going to bite you in the end. I don't care what, how holy you think you are. If you're not following the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the one who came to not condemn, but to set free, to deliver, that you would know life abundantly, you're, you're playing for the wrong team. The Pharisees were that way, right? They had the, the, the principles down to the nth degree. The apostle Paul was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the stud Pharisee. He knew more than all of them. And he said, I am the chief among sinners. He knew where real life came from. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. Are you hearing me today? We're not saying the law is bad. Jesus didn't say that. That's why Jesus kept all the feasts. That's why I love learning about the the texture and the meaning behind it. But that's not what brings us life. Jesus brings us life today. Haman, he got hung on his own gallows. Have you ever noticed this? I've never mentioned this before. These two old signs that hang up on our wall. These are actually 1800s street signs from the streets of our city. I mean, they are authentic. I shouldn't have said that, should I? So now we've got to make sure our security system is... All, always. But these are so cool. They're on loan to us from a great collector here in town. I just love them. But the one that kind of bothers me is this one over here. Heyman's Dental Parlors. Right? When I put that up, I'm thinking, do I really want to give him publicity? So here's what I decided to do. Did you notice what I put beside Heyman's Dental Parlor? A rope. Just to remind us what Haman brings with him. Haman brings with him not a good end. And so we're not going to go the way of Haman to use the law to kill people. Amen? Amen. Say it loud. Amen. We are not going to use the law to kill people, but we're going to use the principle with the presence to bring life. So Haman has a dental parlor. I'm thinking so to try to get life out of people with the law is like pulling teeth. How's that? How'd I do? Did I connect the two okay? All right. Sorry. <clears throat> Another story I want to hit upon this morning is Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. We've been Esther chapter 3. Now we're going to Daniel chapter 3. Two stories from the same season of captivity. Very interesting here that the Lord highlighted these two. Both of these words were things that came out to me during the furnace last Sunday night. Just like, hmm, okay, Lord, you're speaking. Daniel chapter 3. The second story focuses on another chapter of this Babylonian captivity and another group of young firebrands 
First one was Esther, and now there's these three young dudes who were tried by fire, as it were, and had to make some bold decisions. And you've probably heard of them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but their real names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, because they were in a culture that were so trying to change their identity that they literally forced them to change their name. Are you hearing me today? This culture is trying to get you to change your identity to something that is false, that is not who you were created to be. So you have to make a decision just like these young guys did. You can call me whatever you want me, but I know who I am. And when they were forced to bow down to this idol that the king had set up and worship a God other than the God of Israel, they said, not going to do it. Got them in trouble, didn't it? Got them thrown in a fire, didn't it? Into a fiery furnace that the king was so hacked off at them for that he had it ramped up seven times hotter than normal. They were thrown in, bound, fully clothed, so that they would really burn, baby, burn. If you know the story, you, you read, uh, it says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 27, but the fire had not touched them, not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Now, I often like to say this, and I'm going to keep saying it even though the scripture says something different here. I say, give me a man who's been through the fire to follow. I want a man who smells like smoke because I know he's been through the fire just like me. These guys didn't even smell like smoke. My gosh, I mean, how did that happen? Well, obviously, there was a miraculous deliverance for them in this fire, in this furnace. Last Sunday night, it was like, man, the Lord was just, he was just popping um, when we begin to process this, because we're calling our sanctuary sessions the furnace for these 50 days of awakening, just began to realize the reason why these three young firebrands weren't touched by the heat was because the fire on the inside of them was burning hotter than the fire on the outside of them. They couldn't touch them. <laughs> Surprised that furnace could stand it, right? Because the fire on the inside of these young men was burning so bright. And what's awesome is the king looks and sees not three, but four men in the fire. There was a fourth man in the fire with these young men. It's so crazy. This week, Hillsong puts out a brand new song called The Fourth Man in the Fire. I'm like, okay. All right, I get it. I think we're onto something here, right? Why did my team write that song is what I want to know. But they're going <laughs> to sing it. They're going to be. They're going to be. I know they will. I want to give you just a little Hebrew lesson because this is pretty cool. There is so much depth of meaning in the Bible, you guys. The Bible is anything but a boring book. That's why you got to keep your nose in it and say, Holy Spirit, I don't understand. Show me. And guess what? He's going to open it up to you. This word furnace in the Hebrew composed of three Hebrew letters. I, I studied Hebrew when I lived there. So I know a little bit of the, the Hebrew aleph bait, right? That's how they, what they call it. Whenever I try to speak Spanish, my Hebrew comes out is what happens, and I confuse everybody. But there are three letters that compose this word furnace, and, and Hebrew is such an ancient language, and there's so much texture and, and just mm, stuff that comes with us. There's three letters, the letters Kaf, Vav, and Resh. You've heard one of those letters before, Vav, right. What is Vav a symbol of? What do we call that? What was the, what was the thing that we were presented with, the Vav, a, a tent peg? Yeah, there's literally a tent peg driven in a floor right back there about the last row because the Vav represents a connection of heaven to earth. 
And that was a prophetic gift someone gave to us. And so we hammered that thing in the floor here long before we started having church in this room because we said we belong here. God has connected heaven to earth in this place, and we're taking it. And that was a step of faith, man. You know, and now here we are, right? It's happened. We're here. So it's, but it's connecting. Like, what are the other two letters, okay? The letter cough represents a hand symbolizing touch or covering, okay? The letter resh represents head or authority or a prince. So you think about this. In the furnace, the covering was connected to the authority, and that's why those young men were able to survive that fiery ordeal. Are you hearing me today? Even in this Old Testament picture, it's a pictograph. It's literally demonstrating the fact that in the fire, in your fire, in your trial, when the, hotter, the fire on the inside of you is hotter than the fire on the outside, then the hand of covering and protection will connect you with the authority, with the, the kingly anointing that Jesus brings to you to protect you in your fiery furnace. Come on, somebody. That is good preaching right there. It's better preaching than you're giving me credit for right now. That is so awesome. That's what Holy Spirit does. He brings revelation. You're not just going through stuff because he's mean or he hasn't, he's not caring about you. It's hard to say that for folks that have lost their home in the flood. I get it. When you're going through tough times, that's hard to see. I don't suppose that these three boys were too excited about being thrown into a fiery furnace. Listen, so hot that it killed the men who threw them in. That's how hot it was. But listen to what they said. Our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, come on. What kind of faith is that? Even if he doesn't. How many of you know God's in control? And it doesn't always work out the way I want it to. It's good to pray the way that you want it to work out. But despite the circumstance, he's still in control. Turn to somebody and say, he's still in control. It's true. It's true. You want to really get your mind blown? Let's do something fun with these three Hebrew letters. Let's take out the connecting Vav, and let's put those two, the Kaf and the Resh, together. They form another Hebrew word. Can you guess what that word is? <laughs> Has to do with Easter. It's the word lamb. The perfect lamb of God, sent once and for all, the covering, the atonement with the kingly anointing, the authority. Jesus has all authority and he drew near to touch us as the Lamb of God to give us new life. Church, there's something bigger than we understand going on here. There's something bigger than what Jeremy understands about putting together this country western video that uses Revelation chapter two, come on, in a dance hall that's gonna reach people who may never darken the door of a church. But you know what's going to happen? People are going to see that video and say, whoa, where did you shoot that? And Jimmy's going to say, let me tell you about a story about a man named Tim. <laughs> That's the extent of my dancing, so I won't be doing that in the video. Love it. Here's our application today. 
The Lamb of God, the Prince of Peace, was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace, as he will be with you in yours. Now listen to me. This is where it gets practical. Don't be afraid to draw near to the furnace and allow God to burn away anything in you that is not able to stand the heat. Are you hearing me today? This includes sin, no question. It also includes Haman's rope. Because that was not life, was it? Anything that's not of life, we need gone. I just love how God, he's so faithful to not let any of us off the hook. You know? We all have stuff that needs to be burned up in the fire. Every stinking one of us. Will you yield? Will you be vulnerable to that? It's not a fire for the purpose of destruction. It's a fire for the purpose of calling you his so the hand can touch with the authority of the king and the lamb of God becomes the one you feast around. That's the feasting table that Jesus sets before us today. So good. One other place I want to stop before I land today. And I just, my mind was blown this morning. I'm listening to the team warm up and they're singing new wine. I'm like, shut up. That's in my notes today. Shut up. You know, and I'd heard that song and I thought, I mean, I don't like to bring new songs to these guys every week, right? It's like, hey, get to do this song. It's like, okay, let's catch up with the last five. But then they're doing this new song. I didn't know they knew it. And yet in my notes today, there were three times, because it relates to this whole furnace thing, this whole fire thing. Jesus talks three times in the New Testament in Matthew, Mark, and Luke about new wine and new wineskins. I want to focus on the passage in Luke 5. Luke 5.37 from the Passion Translation. Who pours new wine into an old wineskin? This is, again, one of those pictures. Lindsay said, you know, it's, like, it's kind of hard for us to understand. A new wineskin is flexible, more able to accommodate. New wine is still in process, right? Old wine can be in an old wineskin because they're both old. New wine needs a new wineskin. If someone did, the old wineskin would burst and the new wine would be lost. New wine must always be poured into new wineskins. Yet you say, the old ways are better. And you refuse to even taste the new that I bring. If I say to you, God is doing a new thing. Who wants in? Woohoo! we all want in. Then I say, how many of you want to become a new wineskin? I don't know about that because the old ways are better. Right? It's what we're used to. It's what we know. It's what we're accustomed to. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying we've got to have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this hour. That was the letters in Revelation to those churches. Will you listen? What did we read? Are your ears awake? Come on, this is an awakening season. This is our invitation to awake to what Jesus is doing today. So I'm closing with some questions that only you can answer. They're questions asked of me. I'm just passing them along. How, how is wine created? In the pressing. 
So if you don't want to be new wine, you're not going to like the pressing. Are you ready to be pressed? Will you surrender to the pressing? If you won't, you're going to stay old wine in an old wineskin. Will you allow Jesus to make you a new wineskin, to be able to hold the new wine? See, not only do you need new wine, you need a new container for that. Can I just say this is a pretty new container? As old as it is, this is a pretty radically new container. And we don't brag because we're so different than the traditional church up the street. This is just what Jesus has given us to work with. It's like he's given Jeremy the vehicle of country music. This is the vehicle we've got. I personally like it. I like being unconventional because we're going to reach people that maybe other things wouldn't be as effective in reaching. But we, it comes down to us, church. Are we willing to flex, to stretch, to accommodate this new wine that Jesus is making? The last question is a toughie. What needs to happen? What needs to take place in the furnace and be burned up in order for that to happen in you? And this is a very difficult question that falls on all sides of the spectrum. Whether you're in a situation where you're in a behavior that is not leading you to life. And you have to come to terms with what the word of God says. Or if you're trying to use the law instead of bringing life, but to bring death to people. And you'll end up hanging on your own gallows. And you'll be killing the very thing that Jesus treasures. Do you see why we need Holy Spirit all the time? Every minute, every hour? That literally we can't take a step without needing his direction. I just want to brag on your team a little bit. This morning I challenged not only my worship team, we do this every week, but I asked some of my intercessors to come up and pray with me before service because I just feel like we're in a season. We've got to get this right now. This is, this is a, a holy transition, this five-year anniversary in this building. We celebrated five years as a church last September, but there's something about this territory Church growth people will tell you that after five years, a church pretty much is established in its culture who it's going to be. Then they get to be that. I'm ready to be that. I'm ready to quit talking about it. I'm ready to be that. And it looks like not just what happens here on Sunday morning, but I love what happens here on Sunday morning, but it's got to get out of this house. It's got to affect this culture. It's time for us to have the influence in this culture that Jesus intended us to have. And I'm going to have to lay some things down, and so are you. Thanks for listening today. We'd love to have you visit us in person at Second and Francis at our 10 a.m. Sunday morning celebration. To support this online ministry or to get more information about Restoration Church, visit restorationstj.com. Thanks again for listening.